team is probably the most important investment that you can make in your business. Once you really like in a service-based business, once you, because you could do a lot of it, but once you dial in your acquisition in order to really scale and buy back your time and remove yourself, like you're going to have to put leverage into people, technology, systems, all that stuff. But a struggle that most people have is because they never get out of this is because they have a team of fucking C players. And most of the time, if not all the time, it is the owner's fault. We make mistakes every day in basically every facet of life. Wouldn't it be nice to just skip a few? We'll help you fuck up less. Listen in. So I was actually thinking about it. Uh, I feel like I get my ideas for stuff for us to jam on as I take a shower after my morning workout. Something that's been a common trend um, in the conversations that I've been having with our clients, you and I have had, and then also something that Josh was saying to me this morning. So it's kind of twofold. One of the biggest things that we've been talking to our clients about is the ability to zoom out. Okay. And a lot of people, and I think this is even kind of going back to even a little bit of our, our conversation this morning about even prioritizing. But a lot of people need to be able to zoom out and then uh, in order to really understand the bigger picture, because we had, I'm talking to a client where he wants to, he wants to be in the future at the current moment. Me too. So, and I think, and I was like, dude, all of us are guilty of that. So what ends up happening is that could potentially create overwhelm or frustration or lack of actually focusing on the right things, getting distracted or even looking for the shiny objects, yeah. as opposed to just being like and able to zoom out and understanding there's a, a quote that I love. I, I'm pretty confident it's from Andy Purcella, which is the person you are today is the result of the actions for the last years. And the person you're going to be in three years from now is what you're doing today. Very true. So, and through the conversations that I've had with, uh, you know, some of our clients and even like, and this is, doesn't matter if you're just getting started in you know scaling business or you're already you know super successful. We all kind of fall maybe prey at certain times to this and the ability to get sucked in and not being able to see the bigger picture, the zoom out. And this kind of goes to just focusing on one thing to a degree too. Um, and I have a good story I'll share in a bit because it's been jamming or talking. But you know, you get one bad day of sales. You get one bad week of appointments not showing up sure. or people not picking up the phone. And a lot of people are just like, this shit doesn't work. And they want to throw their hands up and they want to quit when it's like, it's not a hundred percent linear. Right. It is. You have to zoom out. You have to look at it as a bigger picture. I've had a bunch of weeks in a row where people aren't showing up or people aren't picking up. There's an issue. But if it's right. one day, two days, or maybe even just one week, but all the other weeks have been good and you've been consistent in actually doing the daily actions, then you're probably fine. You got to zoom out and look at the bigger picture. It's not linear. Right. There's going to be some weeks that are good, some weeks that are bad. And I think a lot of people kind of struggle to, to zoom out, look at the bigger picture of the actions that they're – so then it allows them to take those daily actions to so then get to where they want to be in the future. But so many people want to be the future self now that they actually don't even take the actions they need to take right now. No, we talk about that with um, – we talk about that with um, like Case Connect. We talk about like we're mm-hmm. hat bro. We talk about like you're not signing clients today. It's because of what you put in a week before, two weeks before, three weeks before. And what you're going to be dealing with a week, two, three weeks down the road is a direct result of what you're doing today. Um, so that's very, very relevant in every aspect of life. So yeah, I love that. Um, freaking great. Yeah. I mean, we could just, we could just I'm keep flowing on that. it if you want. Um, but yeah, I think that's cause I see that, especially when I had eight gyms, we'd have a great week or 
you know, two weeks are really good and they're, let's say, really busy. I was like, shit, this chances are when we're really busy, we end up dropping the ball on the re- the things that got us super busy. We yeah. drop it on the phone calls. We stop doing this. Yeah. And all of a sudden you have two really good weeks and then you have a, a slower week and everybody's like, ah, not working. We need to change this. We need to change this. It's like, actually, <laughs> actually, you know, I could even yeah. talk to going back to zooming out. I had a conversation with a client yesterday. We hopped on in the morning. And I think this also goes in order to really zoom out, you have to know the data inside of your business. And it's really difficult to make decisions without really truly knowing the data so you can make informed decisions. And then also, if you're not regularly looking at data in your business, you can never get that fingertip feel as like Taylor says. You can't, you can't, that gut instinct of like, ooh, sure. something is off and it's probably this will never happen. If you actually never look at the data to see the trends from the things that you do to the outcomes that it creates. But I was talking with a client yesterday and he was pretty much like, ah, like, you know, we need to, we need to talk about this. I think we need to make some change. Like this stuff, like the little beginning of the conversation was like, this isn't working or something like that. I was like, cool, man, let's, let's take a look at it. He's like, I need to, I think we need to do this. I think we want to go back to this. I was like, well, let's take a look at the data. And what the data actually showed was the shit is fucking working great. Is there room for improvement? 100 percent but on let's say but if we took it the entire because it was the acquisition system and frankly when we go through it it's like dude your issue is actually not your acquisition your issue is team retention there's other issues inside of that business that not all businesses relate to within partner dynamics and stuff like that which makes adds complexities which is also just another thing I, i don't know why people own one gym or two gyms and have multiple partners if you have two or three people you better be planning on open three to ten fucking gyms um there's not no, enough it's going to be great money for one person, especially like one person, three locations, you're living the life of, of your dreams. Um, one location, multiple six figures take home. That can be good for some people as well. Like that's a good living. Um, but so anyway, we're going we're looking over it and I'm like, dude, you're actually, and he's not selling into anything necessary. He's just selling directly into memberships and uh, you know, when we look at it, it's like, dude, yes. Can there be some improvements in your acquisition? Yes. But during July, you had a two X on the front end. And then if you actually look at like the LTV of your clients, one's 10 months, one's another 15 months, two locations. So you had a 24 X return from the campaign that you just went last yeah. month. And part of that yeah, you're not able yeah. to understand the long-term vision. Yeah, so then it's like when you look at it, one, you can get the predictability. Okay, cool. You know, if so I, I know that if I keep doing this and there was some changes even done in the appointments, he was like, I think I want to go back to the old one. I was like, well, you don't know your data to know if you should go back to this other way when frankly, this is working because your show-ups aren't an issue. Your closing percentage isn't an issue. Um, you know, it's like, so we have to, we go back to this conversation we were having, but the other issue is here. So then also it's like, we actually just take a look at, hey, if you want to scale, like this is actually what you need to do. And I've been going on this trend recently for a lot of places. Like once your gym gets to a certain level or once your business gets to a certain level, like at Case Connect, if you wanted to scale Case Connect, you can't keep like, let's say at least on the acquisition side, if you're like, hey, retention is really good. We're going to scale it. Well, if you're spending, let's say 20 grand a month, 40 grand a month, that got you to here. There becomes a point where that's not 
going to allow you to grow anymore. You're either just going to hit your turn or you're going to have slow growth right. or whatever. So you right. have to increase it. So a lot of these, if your gym right. becomes like successful, you get to 100 members, 150, 200 members, depending on, let's say, your price point on a monthly basis, small group versus large group. Eventually, you're going to have to fucking spend more unless right. you're going to be kind of in maintenance mode and you're just replacing the churn. But if you're trying to grow, yeah, sub it up. So for a lot of people, and I was laughing to myself because we did have one client, he was, his gym was getting 20 leads a day. I'm like, $50 in ad spend a day. Like, okay, this we actually got to reduce because the ability to actually keep up with that is probably not very good. So let's focus on optimization. I'm, I'm getting ready to hire somebody and there's a couple things that I'm focusing on. One is, so this is a scorecard that I'm hiring off of. So one thing is we're writing out the mission of what the position is. And that's pretty much like a summary of like the job's purpose. So like you can explain it to everybody on the team why we're bringing it in at like very high level. Um, then we're going to write out some outcomes, like exactly what needs to get done by that position. And then like- What does success look like? Right. And then like, and then like core competencies, like how we operate in the day in, day out to achieve those specific goals, right? So mission, outcomes, and competencies. And we're talking about like the mission, like a client success is to grow revenue through increased conversions and longer retention, right? They're just going to increase the long-term value. Like we need to hire somebody for that, I'm sensing a void there. And I think that we can do better with that. And there needs to be more client support. Like John's spinning his wheels, doing too much of it himself, right? Um, that'll free him up. So I think that that's to our team. That's why we need to hire somebody that's the mission for what we're hiring here. And the outcomes, um, you know, grow average LTV by 20% by Q3, 2024. I don't have it spelled out, but it's specific goal, specific number by specific time. It's almost like we're talking about smart goals or setting specific goals. Like for the position I'm hiring, like I want that person to know, like, this is what we are expecting. This is what you need to accomplish. And this is the time frame that you need to accomplish it in. Right. So like very like anxiety list for an employee, like this is what I have to do. They don't come in like, am I doing a good job? Am I not doing a good job? Am I hitting my goal? Like they have a clear target. And then for competencies, like these are some, some things like this is how they operate in the fulfillment of that, like in how they fit into our culture per se, like the examples would be like efficiency, honesty, and integrity, um, move fast and take action, uh, follow through on your commitments, persistence with empathy. What is this? These are the competencies that we're, this is a scorecard for what we're look, who we're looking to hire. So what I'm going to- No, I know, but those, those integrity, honesty- oh, competencies. Is, so this is like- Got it. How to operate while fulfilling the outcomes, right? This is how they're going to operate and, and if how they're going to operate while they're fulfilling the increase the LTV by 20% by quarter three, 2024, right? Mm -hmm. um, so this is how I want you to operate in fulfilling those goals efficiently with honesty and integrity, right? We never lie to clients. We always tell them the truth that we don't know. We let them know, but let them know we're figuring out. And then we follow through on our commitments. We go and figure that out and get back to them by the time we've said or earlier, right? Um, persistence, you know, with empathy. We understand everybody's situation. Everybody's situation is unique. And then, um, you know, proactivity, like do things before they need to be asked. Like, so... This scorecard is going to allow us, we've identified and talk about like zooming out on the view. I've identified where I think we need improvements. I drew up a scorecard and it needs to be done better on who that person is, why we need this role, what they need to fulfill. And now as I'm interviewing, I'm going to interview through the lens of this scorecard. And if they don't like 
there's not a 10 for 10, 10 for 10 as per the scorecard. And I don't like, I don't sense all of this in them. Then they're not the right person. I won't hire them. But if I sense it, then I'm going to measure them by the scorecard. This is what we need. This is how we need it. Boom. This is it. So um, I think that it's good to do that, but I was giving you a little tactical, um, you know, of what, like yeah, how I mean, that works and hiring you, somebody with that. Yeah. I just don't like the terminology. Like, I don't think that's a true scorecard. Right. Because, I mean, because we use scorecards and, and I, the way I learned a scorecard was through like EOS. Right. Which, I mean, if you think about scorecard in baseball, it's, it's got to be numerical. Um, and it's how we measure on a daily basis, really to know if we're going to be on track to those success metrics inside of that role. But I think that is, I just don't like the terminology, but I hundred percent agree. I think you have to get super clear on what is this role? What is the outcome of this role? How are we going to measure success? How do you know if you're doing a good job, bad job, if you're on track or if you're off track and then how do we actually get there? How do we accomplish these things? And I think that is extremely important to define. For somebody, because at the end of the day, if you're, let's say you're having a meeting, it's like, it doesn't have to be emotional. It's like, well, I think I'm doing a good job. It's like, well, like that's a, I can understand that. I think you are trying, but the end of the day, like, this is what we were measuring. This is what was supposed to happen. If client success, let's say your attrition is 15%. It's like within 90 days, it needs to be 10%. And then within 180 days, it needs to be 5% attrition or something like that. I'm just pulling up numbers. It's like, we know, and it's like, here's our scorecard. But even if you're bringing in a higher level person, like they should be also creating their own scorecard too. Like as far as like, and I, and I when I say the term scorecard, I mean like what I'm tracking on a daily basis. So like a salesperson, part of the scorecard is going to be their calls they're making, sure. the appointments they're having, right. the show-ups they're having, the closing. It's like, right. I know that if if my target for a salesperson is five sales a week, then these are the actions that need to be taken right. on a daily basis to get it to there. You guys control and this I input take a look. and this will be the outcome. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's like, hey, and because this is a conversation I literally had with the team the other day is because our scorecards weren't getting updated on a daily basis. Right. And I'm like, do we understand? And this is my fault. Do we understand the reason that we actually have a scorecard? You know, for the team member, you do this daily so that you know if you're going to be on track or off track by the end of this week. And if we're on track this week, that means we're going to be on track on monthly. And if we're on track monthly, that means we're hitting our, our targets for the year. So, but I, it, it's really important to understand like what the success looks like for that role hey, this is the outcome that's going to be created. This is the number one thing. Like this is, if you were to have, this higher level role should be tied into almost like a P&L metric. Mm-hmm. So it's like, or balance sheet, uh, sheet metric. Right, like, we bring this person on and they achieve yeah. this. We pay them X amount yeah. of dollars and it brings, you know, a 3X return. Every employee is an investment. And like the energy you put into somebody is like, it's not only an investment for the business, it's an investment into them as a person because with the right employee, with the right goal and the right system, they can change their life, right? Like, so like, it's not only an investment for the business, it has to make financial sense and they have to bring back more than they put in. And that's what people today just don't understand. Like, you're not just getting paid to show up. Nobody wants presence. Nobody pays for you just to show up, right? You have to have a positive impact. But it's an investment into the person too, because you're learning skill sets. You have a supportive community. Like you can grow financially, make good investments, like change your family's life. Like it is an investment on both sides. But yeah, Yeah. you know, this allows you to say, hey, this is what I'm hiring for. This is what we should make off of this investment. 
Let's invest these resources, time, energy, training, support, everything we need to train this person up and make them a better person, you know, or better ability to operate in this system or this in this manner, which will suit them, which once you have that skill set, you have it for the rest of your life. So congratulations, you just got a free college education from me, right? Worth more than your four-year degree. And the, it should bring the business X returns. Yeah. So I, I think I, think I jumped that, around a little like ADHD on that, but that was 20,000 view. And it made, it struck me like, oh, I did that 20,000 foot view and I saw that I needed this. And this is a pretty cool thing that I put together because of it. So that's how we got well, it. Well, yeah. And allowed you to like, all right, why, how can I optimize this role? How can I increase it? Hey, let me zoom out and let me think bigger picture. Like what is something that we're going to really need? And then how do we then measure whether it's going to be happening? Right. And this is where lots of, and I'm, I'm still guilty of this. Like, I'm not a great manager, um, you know, and, uh, but ultimately I do believe that the best way to manage people is to allow them to self-manage and in order to self-manage, like, and that's the same thing for business owners. Like if we have the data now, there is an argument to be made. You see how bad I'm cringing right now with you saying that, you know, that, and once you're done, I'm telling you the opposite. Well, I think we actually have the same amount. I think I don't, I know exactly where you're going and I agree with you. Like it doesn't mean self-managed where you ignore the person. You still are on top of them. You're still communicating on a daily basis. You're still having that. Like part of it to self-manage is you have your daily scorecard. You give your end of day reports. Yep. You're communicating consistently. You're having more communication, yep. but they're allowed to self-manage because I don't want to. The problem is that people tell their team what to do. Sure. So they never develop the skill in order to solve the problem. I agree. And especially for higher level people. Oh, you know I what agree. I actually saw? So I saw this, I screenshot and I sent it to Josh and I thought this was such a great thing. And why so many businesses struggle is going back to obviously team is probably the most important investment that you can make in your business. Once you really like in a service-based business, once you, because you could do a lot of it, but once you dial in your acquisition in order to really scale and buy back your time and remove yourself, like you're going to have to put leverage into people, technology, systems, all that stuff. But a struggle that most people ha have is because they never get out of this is because they have a team of fucking C players. And most of the time, if not all the time, it is the owner's fault because and this is, so I, I saw this guy, actually, I saw this on, on uh, Twitter from this guy, Brent Bashore, and I have no idea who this guy is. Um, but uh, he had C players. So this is what he, you know, C, B, and A players. And this is the breakdown that he have. And I thought this was just like worded in one of the best ways. C players, in quotation marks, this is broken. Someone should fix it. A B player goes, this is broken. Do you want me to start working on fixing it? And an A player goes, this broke. I fixed it, recruited someone to be responsible for it, and created a process for others to more easily fix it in the future. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Send that to me. That's pretty like, cool. I was just, yeah, I was just like, dang, like this I'm going to make a social media post and pretend like I created that and not give you any credit to it. Well, I didn't even create it. Well, fuck it. Then let's um, both act like we created it and post it at the same yeah. time. But, but I think it's such a great, and especially when you're looking to hire like a leadership team. And this is a trap that, you know, when you're hiring people, if they're supposed to be so good, like, they shouldn't require, like, you should be like, hey, this is the role that I'm hiring for. This is the parameters around, I, you know, that it should be done. But like, if, and then it's like, so here's how we do it. But you're the one who has the skill set. If you're hiring like a true leadership level person, but you're the one who has the skill set to do this. So you create the processes that needs to be done. You go ahead and create the team that needs to be done and, and measure all the outcomes that need to be done in order for this to be successful. I don't think either of us has a true leadership level employee. 
Oh, I, I know I don't. Um, I know that. But there's also like 100% I don't. In the past, I had some um, when Legion was bigger. For right now, for, for Gym Academy, it's not needed. Leadership is Josh and myself. Um, and But that's what I need for, for Legion um, to truly be done. Right. You know, if I was going to truly scale Legion or whatever, even if I go the franchise route or a uh, corporate route or whatever, like that has to be that role in place where somebody's saying, this is how we're doing it. And I think, but yeah, I think that's, um, I, I, yeah, but I think that's a great way to look at it is even, And, and yeah, like an A player just goes like, here's this problem. And, and that's, so that's part of the, the daily managing is if I have a scorecard where they're doing it, if let's say, and I keep, I'm just going back to sales team. Let's say that there's like a show up issue. Yeah. Like a good person should look at it and go, Hey, I'm having a show up issue. So I took a look at this. I'm trying this. And I think it's because of this and I'm trying this. So I've implemented this and they're doing it. They're self-correcting. So when they give you that end of day report, and you take a look at the scorecard, especially if you're like, because the you know the daily scorecard then goes to the person that oversees that position that then can go above if those chains of command. Like if you're the owner, you might be in multiple of those seats. But ultimately, like it shouldn't be, hey, we have a show up issue. What you know, what's going on? I don't know. We'll try this. Okay. But then they're never gonna solve it themselves because you've always told them to do it. Right. And if it could be the position, maybe that is the requirement. Maybe it's not ever gonna be a position that's gonna attract that kind of individual. Um but if it is, I mean, that's especially if we go back to Jim example, like a manager, that should be the manager. The manager should be able to see the KPIs, know what's going on on a daily basis, see the issues. And then because of the tools and the resources that were already given to that person, then go through it and then make the changes and implement it before it becomes like, oh, well, we didn't hit our targets this month because we didn't have none of our appointments were showing up or, hey, we didn't hit our targets this month because we weren't closing anybody. We couldn't sign them up. And at the same time, like, and maybe you have, you know, maybe you have those those good B players could be like, hey, I'm stuck. Or even a good A player would be like, I'm stuck. Here's what I'm thinking. Do you have any ideas? But if like an end of day report, that's part of what you're asking. Like, is there anything I can help you with? So I'm communicating. So. I think it, that struck a, a chord with me. I think I'm at fault for a lot of like B player-ish because I'm an enabler. Because like, I feel like I answer everybody's problems, but I don't, nobody brings me like solutions. It's always like, yeah, what should we do here? Or it's always like me seeing an issue. Like I literally am the one identifying the issues, giving them solution. Like I don't even have mm -hmm. issues identified to me. Yeah. Yeah. Something I need to work on. It's my fault. I think it's the hardest. I think it's the hardest thing. If you're, that's if why I'm you spinning my wheels. Like, that's why I'm so stressed out because I have to do everything for everybody because I don't have anybody in any of my business that's, that's able to identify and give solutions for that or give like good tangible solutions. And maybe it's because yeah. I just give people answers too easily. I think you're, you're also, I think very good. Cause I'm guilty of this too. Very good at it. Um, you know, or at least you have an idea of what should be the solution or something like that. Or you're the one who's like, I'm going to part of, I think like really driven uh, individuals, especially founders is like, there is the belief that's allowed us to be successful is that nobody's going to do it better than us. <laughs> but at the end of the day, like we have to also teach our team to critically think and fail. 
Yeah. And then also be okay if they try something and it doesn't work. Yeah. And I don't, I'm not, I have no idea of like if they've ever tried stuff in the past, but I know that's something like I just can identify something so quickly and solve it that I want to, and then I want to move forward. And I think there's, there's times for that in a business, but what is that book? Like uh good to great. Yeah. You know, they talk about good to great. If you look at all those you know, business that went good to great, like the teams that got them to certain points, it's like the team that they started with isn't the team that they ended with. And you have to go through those things because you do, unfortunately, you know, you, there are going to be different seasons for people. And I look back at uh, one of the reasons that struggled to scale Legion. And I talked about this probably in the past. And I've talked about this definitely recently is I remember I had that person that I passed on hiring that when I first, I had all my corporate locations and then I, I just launched the franchise and I sold a bunch of franchises. Um, I was looking at recruiting like a CEO and that's your, by the way, like if you have a CEO, this is what they fucking do. They're the visionary. Well, unfortunately, I'm the like, CEO. Well, yeah. But like, but then it's like your CEO, like you are like, so I saw this, like, eh, maybe not CEO is not necessarily the visionary, but they should have the vision that they're they're putting the company through. Um, but like, I ended up passing on this, even though like I had the experience. And honestly, I look back at it and it is one of the regrets that I, or one of the hires that I, or things that I regret not doing. Because I'm like, damn, because I realized all the things that I didn't know. And then I kept trying to solve problems the wrong way, which was making me fucking spin my wheels, getting me frustrated, other issues that I didn't foresee happening. However, if you want to have somebody that can come in and solve those problems, usually they're going to be more expensive. They're probably going to have previous experience sure. of some capacity. Sure. Because if you are a nine at a roll, how are you going to, and you, but you, what you're looking to do is you're looking to hire somebody that's a 10 of the role. If you're only a nine, you're only going to bring somebody up to a seven or eight. Unless they're really good and they're doing all this stuff on their own. And they've been a while, but like, generally speaking, it's those, those leadership roles are going to be tough because especially if you're, let's say a founder led company who has control issues, who then also has keeps it super lean, like chances are it's going to be a hire that's going to be scary as, as at least as far as initial investment for the individual. Can you tell I'm not mentally here anymore? <laughs> yes. I'm that stung so bad, dude. Like I'm really, I really need to work on how to how to, to do this. Cause I feel like I let everybody down this way. And that's like the source of a lot of our bottleneck and frustration is just not teaching people the right way to think or like giving too many people too many. And it's just like, if I don't see somebody, I don't ever just keeps operating and nobody's like, I'm like, dude, there's a fucking issue here and nobody sees it. And like, I'm trying to figure what's the best way to get them to see it. And it's like, I got to like challenge them to like, bring me an issue once a week, bring me an issue and bring me a solution for it. And just like maybe force them to just think through the things the way I think through things. I'm like kind of stressed out thinking about this right now. Does everybody on your team have like a scorecard they do on a Yeah, daily but basis? I went away from 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 Tyler and John with it and need to fucking bring it back because they're operating like, their fucking ass and they suck. Like if everybody everybody has They know that in the I mean yeah, no surprise. Like, and we all do it. Like it's everybody needs to have if they are like let's say not somebody just taking a dividend who's not working in the business, like even you need a scorecard yeah even if it's a little muddied and stuff like that Very but if true. there's a role that you're owning like i do fill out a sales scorecard 
Um, What's the saying? You know, Everybody was accountable. A marketing screw. Yeah. What was that what saying? Um, oh, they thought someone would do it. Nobody did it. I'm gonna Google okay. it and look it up. There's like it's, it's like, like if you think some if nobody's accountable, so if you just think they just think somebody else is gonna do it, so nobody does it. Here it is. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought that anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. Mm. Mm. It's, it's, That's good. It's a good saying. Um, I'm going to text that to you. Yeah, I, I couldn't remember what it was, so yeah. I just Googled it. Oh, here's Facebook calling me. Yeah, you're going to tell me that my band account's getting unbanned? I hate these people. I'm not even answering them. <laughs> um, I think, but... Uh, I'm texting this to you right now. Yeah, but I think going back to that, if we want to have our team being able to identify the problems, like we have to have scorecards, and then you have your end-of-day reports, but then also, like, once you have the like in, in the, the weekly meeting, you know, you go over, you talk about the wins or the headlines or whatever it is. Yep, yep. Um, then you go over like scorecards. Yep. You go over like goal review for the quarter. Cause I like setting, you know, obviously we have long goals, but we focus on like, you know, goals, like are we on track? Are we off track? Yeah. And then throughout the scorecard and then the goal review, if there's something that's not on target in the scorecard from like the week prior, you know what to train on meeting. Well, then it has to be dropped out. Yeah, like that's an issue. And yeah. the person who's on, if it's on their scorecard, they should be bringing up the issue. They should then also be bringing up the solution that they implemented or that they're getting implemented. Yeah. Or there needs to be some level of like discussion around it. Right. Um, you know, so that like, then you go down to like, you know, 45, 60 minutes, 90 minutes of the time is like what in EOS they call IDS, issue, discuss, solve. So, but the person who's bringing the issue should be the one not to be confused with inter- presenting irritable bowel syndrome. That's IBS. It confused with IBS, <laughs> you know, and then it's like that, the homework. But I think from my experience, and I'm not saying this, like I've done a really good job of this. I, I noticed like these are the mistakes that I make too, because I just try and solve shit. Um, you know, but I was having a, a meeting with a client yesterday who has six locations. I was like, if, if, if they don't know, understand how to identify the issues and then solve them, like you fit, like you can, Fake it with one location, yeah. you can fake it with two locations. Once you get to three, like you have to have this shit. Or once you get to scale, like you have to have this stuff. Otherwise, there's always going to be fires right. and issues. And and the owner is going to be the one doing it. Right. Um, which then at the same time also makes it where the business isn't really going to be valued as much if you ever wanted to exit. True. Um, because it is so dependent on the founder. But then, yeah, so then you can bring in an IDS and that educates people to say, hey, I have the scorecard. I know that these things, that these metrics, these KPIs on my scorecard are going to get me to the outcome that I need to have on a weekly basis, which my outcome on the weekly basis gets me to the monthly target, which gets me to the yearly target. And these things make it up. So if, if I'm not on track or if there's an issue, this is where based off of the data, I'm going to be able to go in and take a look at it and find the solutions. So it's like, you know, we talk about in gyms. One of the biggest issues is attrition for gyms and, and gym owners don't realize it. Like if you have a 10 or 15% monthly attrition and some even have higher, it's going to be really hard to grow. Yeah. Like, Cause you you're just churning really up stuck. and you're, you're screwing all your goodwill in the marketplace. I mean, you're just, and you never can bounce yeah. back from that. You can't, but it's like, but at the same time, if, if you can only add, let's say you're, you know, I, I, I talked to a gym owner yesterday 
and his acquisition system essentially word of mouth and he's in a very dense area so generally speaking he adds like 10 new clients on a monthly basis yeah but if you have 100 clients and your attrition is 10 percent, you're losing 10 clients right and if your only way to grow is through word of mouth like it's very difficult to like scale that so you have to put it in but then they're going to hit another barrier where if you're still if you're 10 percent now you're 150 members you're losing 115 people a month right you know or, or higher then it becomes you know this is the you have to reduce your churn but the problem is people wait until the end of the month and go oh here's my churn well now churn is a lagging indicator that is really in my belief there's there's conversion churn so there's churn on the first whatever the conversion process we talked about that like i think last week to a degree like personally and then there's retention churn yep. so once somebody's like become a client and the difference is like once they've essentially achieved the initial result that was promised to them or something like that, or the initial thing or where they understand and they can start getting into, there's like eight phases of that you're moving clients through uh, in their customer experience journey. And seven or eight are the points where they take ownership. Eventually you want to get them to become like, we're the super loyal and advocates of the business. But first they have to understand like what it takes on their end to have success. Right. So if we don't, you know, so anyway, so once you get on that first point, but if you're, if your churn is high, that's a, in my opinion, it's not a 30 day lag indicator. It's like a 60, 90 day, especially if Sometimes there's it's too retention late churn. Cause you've churned through yeah, so like, much to, to lack of a better term. You've churned through so much of the goodwill in your marketplace that you fucked up your reputation and you can't get people back in there. And they, they say, if you do good, they'll tell one person. If you do bad, they'll tell 10. Like if you're churning through those people and they're unhappy with you. And each one of those people that are leaving are telling 10, it's really hard to bounce back from that, dude. You can ruin your whole, whole entire business. You can bounce. Yeah. I mean, especially if you're bad, you can bounce back. But it's if it, the 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 bigger picture is it's going to take you ninety days to fix your retention. So what you're looking at, if you're taking a look, it's like oh our, our churn is super high for our clients. Well then yeah you're going to see improvements, but it's not going to be to where you want it unless it's a little high in just thirty days. You know we have seen it where like you know you know we had a client came with us and their her churn on one of her locations was like thirteen percent. 60, 90 days ago. And last month it was 3% of that location, which is huge, but it's like, it takes consistent effort. So that's why you want to have lead indicators. And that's part of what's going to be on your scorecards and a KPI. That's like, Hey, I know if uh, I'm getting like a, what's a lead indicator for churn. Am I getting referrals? Right. Uh, if true. I'm a coach and I'm doing boot camps, like I have a class size. What is my class size average? Uh, if I'm semi-private, you know, what is that? If I'm doing, we should uh, also maybe be surveying our members too and kind of like, seeing. yeah. Like, do you do like an NPS score, you know, getting those ratings and stuff like that. So I think those are, those are all like the lead indicators that you can do to determine, are we on track? Are we off track? And there's other ones you could, you could do as well. Why don't we, uh, why don't we wrap this up? Catch y'all next week. Thanks for listening. If you're learning from us, I want you to share this with other business owners who are hustling just like you. Oh, and don't forget, give us your social so we can have all the info. See you on the next one.